Dr. Catherine McCann, you were a physiotherapist, a counsellor, trained in spiritual direction, did your PhD in that area. And you now run the Shekinah Gardens down in Wicklow, which President Michael D. Higgins visited recently, beautiful gardens for meditation centre. And you've now written your latest book, Love, Life, A Holistic Understanding of Ageing. What do you mean by a holistic understanding of ageing? I think it's when people think of ageing, they think of diminishment. And I would rather see it as a time to flourish, really. And therefore, you have to take in the whole person. And for instance, there's an important middle chapter on well-being. And I do talk about physical well-being. But the other three well-beings are more important, I think. And by that, I mean under the acronym PIES, intellectual well-being, where we stimulate our minds and broaden our thinking. We shouldn't shrivel unless, sadly, we get fall into dementia but that's a very small population part of the population thank goodness uh, compared to the others um emotional well-being it badly needs to be looked at for many people they tend to <laughs> shrivel or become very negative um, get into the poor me place which is always i always find very sad and many other aspects of in- emotional well-being i talk about and then spiritual well-being and now i don't necessarily mean religious well-being i mean are we becoming freer freedom is very much part of our spirituality am i becoming a freer person as i age there's no reason in many, most cases why we, we're not moving in that direction am i able to appreciate beauty in a way that i was too busy to notice things before and the whole area of the senses and even if i just smelling a flower or really looking at the makeup of a leaf or whatever it is all these areas that we can enhance and grow we can keep growing in all three areas, intellectual, emotional, spiritual well-being, through the day we die. But of course, you didn't say we can keep growing physically. And that's one of the big issues that as people get older, a lot of things can set in that are upsetting. Maybe you can't move as fast as you used to, more aches and pains. And if you're looking at it holistically, that all impacts on your emotions and on your spiritual outlook and why has God done this to me and I'm sitting here in the corner and I can't get out of my chair, I can't walk the length of myself. Um, God has done this to me and will you immediately <laughs> I bristle at that you know it that depends on your attitude to things I just like to quote one person because I admire her so much Rosaline McDonough she was in the papers last week she was in a wheelchair practically since birth and she's a member of the traveller family but she never let things get on top of her she was ended up doing her studies in Trinity and the article recently was her talking about uh, the me too and how you can be I suppose taken advantage of um, when you're in a wheelchair and she was talking about that experience but she lives life fully she never let any physical limitation get in her way so uh, with good technology nowadays and wheelchairs and things like that a physical disability of course it means uh, one reality and that is there are things I will no longer be able to do and the big thing one has to learn as we age is being able to say goodbye to let things go and move on and discover new, to be an explorer, discover fullness in life. Well, let's look at that first one then, the letting things go, saying goodbye. Talk to me more about that. Well, I'd be personal about that. A big letting go that I look ahead to because I live out in the country down in in Wicklow, as you said, when I can't drive the car. That will be a huge event for me. 
But you have to look, well, how can you, how can you manage it? Well, first of all, from the money end, if you take the tax and the NCT and the running of the car, the servicing and the buying of the car, if you put aside that, that money and made a taxi fund, if you're living in a city, it's much easier. I remember Sean McRaymond, the late Sean McRaymond, who never drove, said it was actually cheaper to go by taxi really? all his life than to, to use a car, yeah. Yes. Well, there you are. That's the answer. So learn new ways of thinking around it. It's really challenging our own thinking and views of it and looking at alternatives and talking to other people, getting new ideas is very important. Now, loneliness is something that I remember as a journalist doing work on any time we did an issue on ageing, being really struck by the number of ageing people who said they were lonely and felt that their families had got on with their lives and they were left sitting doing nothing. Yes, Professor Anne Roseanne Kenny, who actually launched my book, she picks out two essentials really to ageing well. And one of them is keeping in contact with people. Have a social world around you, unless you're called to be a hermit or something like that. But the average person, we need, we need people around us. And it's much easier nowadays with the internet. And it, the telephone is wonderful. I use the telephone a lot to keep up with my friends because my place is a bit isolated. And I have visitors and keep up in, in touch with local people as well. And the second big reality that Professor Anne Kenny says is just exercise. I mean that you walk a walk every day if that's possible. For some people that isn't. If you're in a wheelchair you do your body, your limb exercises from the chair and all of that. But certainly to keep our physical self at maximum level is very important. Now she just mentioned those two realities outstanding for ageing well. Uh, The third one is to just have a common sense diet. Uh, We don't need as much food when we age but we need nourishing food. They're the three big realities but for me it's looking at our attitude. The thing about food there just to pick that up a lot of people who are aging are on their own they live alone hard to cook for one and cook nourishingly do you do that and what would you say to people? The most difficult thing because I never really was into cooking and I don't enjoy cooking and I'm not one who's mad about my food. I have to actually make an effort in that area, buy things that are simple. I I do buy my fillet of chicken and actually cook it and veg and spuds and a few things. But it's a bit bland and it's a bit monotonous. But I do keep it going. Because you know that it is good for you and really important. Who is the book just aimed at just when we're talking? Well, I think there are three age groups, really. I would like, say, the 30 to 50-year-olds to look at it. It's helpful for them when they're looking at their parents maybe getting, have problems, beginning to have problems, or well into their older years. I think they'll get some ideas from that, positive ideas. Then the most important people would be from the 50 to the 70 age group, particularly the 50s, 60s, to allow people to look ahead a little bit, even though they're maybe at the height of their career, but it's not going to go on. But to see that there's so many alternatives in those earlier years. I mean, so many exciting things. I was very fortunate. I did uh, two degrees. I did my master's degree and then I did uh, follow that on after a break, my doctorate. And what age were you then? In my 70s, yes. At one of the major universities. So studies and other... Travel is a huge thing. But travel... That's why I'd like the younger age group to begin to look at some sort of savings plan and pension schemes because if if you want to have some comfort and excitement in your older years, you do need that bit of extra money. Yes, I was going to say that to you. It's all very well if people who have even the ability to save. There's a lot of older people who have worked hard all their lives, given all they could, you know, maybe in lower paid jobs. And really, they're living on a pension from the state. That's all they can afford. It's not a lot. That would leave the travel end out of 
of it, really. But careful planning. And there is an awful lot going on, especially around around countries in Ireland. I should say that when I retired, one of the things I had just begun before I retired, I gave lots of workshops on this ageing thing. Practically every county in Ireland, really, except about three, Monaghan and Cavan up there, didn't go in Donegal, how to age positively so that you see it as a time to flourish of course a huge area too in the older years and it's a great joy it's not my joy but it is for many people it's grandparenting but also that has to be thought about some people the parents because they're children they have to work and granny takes over and you have to have a good contract there and a changing contract because you could get overloaded with that. Yeah, and be taken for granted and you end up just doing the same job you did as a mother all over yes. again and people get exhausted. Yes. yes, and especially if your partner is still alive and you're limited and you can't do things together and go places and even just for weekends. Another thing strikes me when you're talking about travel and not money. One of the great things in Ireland is the free travel. Absolutely, we're blessed with that. Blessed with, I mean, you can get on, even if you're lonely. I know a a new and older man who hadn't much contact, but he would get on the train, meet people, talk to them, get off, go down to Killarney, back up to Galway or whatever. And it was a great way of cheap free and meeting people. Yes, and if you find that an effort on your own, there's so many active retirement groups or local groups around. These can be organised and weekends are ideal. Sometimes a week is too long, but the weekend is great in Ireland with its transport system. isn't too bad. (laughs) Not at all. Tell me about the emotional well-being because again you do hear people saying that once their job was taken from them that they go into a bit of a downer they thought it was all going to be great but suddenly it's eight in the morning and then it's nine and then it's ten it's Mm. a long day that was filled for eight nine hours with work and people yes so you have to i suppose find your way psychologically and intellectually i think you have to think through the aging process the years ahead the next decade what's life for and one yes one important thing if i said nothing else in this program i think the most important thing is that you remain a contributor to society even at your most feeble that you're grateful to your carer you can smile you can say thank you And that enhances the person. But to feel, get into the poor me place, as I said, and feel sorry for yourself, fight that tooth and nail. Is it a trap that is there, do you think, for people you seem to be quite familiar with? Well, you do see it, especially those now. And remember, only uh, 5% of the population have to go to nursing homes. But in nursing homes, sadly, that can happen because there isn't the stimulation that these people need on offer. And sometimes... People have, don't have relatives and don't have visitors. But if they have visitors and visitors will take them out, you know, once um, they can manage a wheelchair with the car and that, they can go to cinemas. You can do pretty well everything now. Access is pretty good. Also sport, and I know people sport. who can play golf, for example, that love that and have plenty of time for it. Do you write about sport in your book? I mention it, but some people do take on new sports or follow sport. And another thing is to keep as best you can a world view of events. For me, the television is very important at night. I'd be very careful of the programmes I would select. Channel 4 and different ones it would keep us in touch with what's happening and advancing and that. And maybe the daily or the weekly newspaper or whatever it is. But don't get centred on oneself. Life is always bigger than oneself. Talk to me about spirituality. You talked about the spirituality of ageing. What is that? 
difficult question to answer because spirituality is such an umbrella word, really. It covers all aspects of our lives, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. I do think that people who have a real solid, broad, exciting religious faith, and I particularly use that word, exciting, I personally couldn't, I don't think I'd be as content and as challenged as I am if I didn't have my Catholic faith. But I would see it in a very broad perspective. My studies in theology helped me to see that, not not limited by just church realities. More. And what about people who haven't got that? I mean, not everybody has had the opportunity and taken it to do theology or do a PhD. And they may be left with, particularly an older generation, may be left with a faith that has been knocked from every side mm. in terms of the scandals, in terms of secularism, where they may feel very isolated. I mean, you go to a mass now, maybe at 10 o'clock mass, there might be 20 older people who's there. That's your community. Yes. And then it tends, sadly, not to be a particularly living liturgy either when you go to it. Um, I don't know what is the answer to that, but I think if they keep in contact with people and with one's own inner self, check what's going on there and what has life about been. And hopefully you can uh, be able to be thankful for the life you have lived and can look forward to the future, you know. And uh, gratitude is a deep, profound spiritual principle, isn't yes, it? Well, yes, I call my own life story, which I wrote fairly recently in Gratitude, saying yes to life. And Catherine, you've written this book, but in fairness to those who know you, you've actually lived out what's in it. It might be all very well for people to say, oh, that sounds good. But can I ask you what age you are now? I'm coming up to my 84th birthday. You look fantastic. You look really well. You have been in India not so long ago, isn't that right? Well, for my 80th birthday, I, and I took myself off on my own to India too and travelled around because I wanted to. I knew quite a bit about the Judaic faith, but I didn't know anything about Hinduism. I didn't know something about Buddhism. So I stayed in ashrams and I went to seven different centres, South India and up northern India, including Rishikesh and Varanasi and Calcutta and places like that. And that was really wonderful. What did you learn from that? I followed up later with Jack Dupuy's writings, but I learned really how similar Hinduism is to Christianity in the sense that they ultimately believe in one God. Now, they would have thousands of manifestations of this God to elephants and all the sort of, to me, rather weird figures. But they have their one God, and these are all manifestations of one God. So they're quite close to us and our notion of the incarnation, that Jesus is a manifestation of God to us, and we have the one revelation of it. But the one thing that they have, because I was out in the country for part of the time, I suppose in cities you wouldn't notice it much. And because I was on my own, I was able to converse with every Tom, Dick and Harry I met who spoke English. And their sense was the sacred even the way they carry themselves, the way they interrelate with each other. And I mean, they could be very poor and have very little, but they have a kind of a dignity about them. Now, they have very sad things about them as well, but they haven't lost that. I had a sense of that. And when you say, I know you lost somebody that you loved very much and was very dear to you um, recently as well, and... Does that inform what you say about get off the petty pot, you know, don't get mired in the poor me? 
Yes, you could. And I mean, you will have to go through, we all do in life, have grieving times. My friend Charlie, that died four years ago and was only talking to somebody this morning saying, really, first two years I got through quite easily. The other years are a bit more difficult. And then I had my wonderful brother. We were brought up very closely together. There were others younger than us. And it's coming up to his first anniversary on this Good Friday. So I'm very aware of him. Uh, but he had a very peaceful, happy death, even though he, he had no explicit faith. He said he hadn't, but it was a, a very blessed death from my perspective. So that helped matters. But grieving is a big thing, and uh, admit it's there and go through the process, you know, the, till you come to the acknowledge that the person has left us for a better place in my thinking. And of course, you've said that there is a lot of letting go. Even in older age, there are things that we're called to let go of, so practicing that is a good spiritual practice would you say? I would think it is yes. I think good spiritual practices are built on a sense of realism and I think I'm a realist as opposed to an idealist it's great to have ideals but if you just live in that world I've seen a lot of people that and then they find it so hard to accept the limitations when they come along. They inevitably become I'm not um, for instance me now I was delighted to I'm not as physically able as I was even two years ago but I did my first grass cut down in Shekina just a couple of weeks ago before the snow and I was glad I was able to do it. So to rejoice in what you can do rather than just bemoan the one things you can't. Can I ask you this? You're 84. With all the best will in the world, you're not going to live to your 200 or whatever. Does that horizon of death being near Do you live with that and look at it and reflect on it? Or do you live one day at a time as if you're going to live forever? No, I know I'm not going to live forever. As I say, I'm a realist, so I know it's coming. And as I say, I've had some recent physical limitations. And particularly the energy drop now. I've had fantastic energy all my life, but I noticed it's diminished. I tried to accept it and live within those limitations, but to live fully within the limitations you have. And uh, my mind, thank goodness, is still okay, although I'm forgetting uh, names of people particularly. And that makes one a bit concerned. But at the same time, one has to live where one is at and be hopeful about the future. Are you afraid of dying? No. I'd be ready to go in the morning. Honestly, I can say that. I'd be happy to go. But I think I'll probably have a few more years. I'd like to see Shekina through for another bit longer, although it is going to be managed by the state when I'm gone, which is lovely to know. And it's a beautiful place where people can go and stay over and meditate and the lovely sculptures that artists have done for you. Great gift to the people of Ireland. Well, I think it is because they are very spectacular sculptures. There are 18 of them. Uh, They're all fairly abstract sculptures, but it's the setting really in the Glenmalure Valley that all helps it. And there's an extraordinary sense of tranquility in that garden. Mostly the visitors are day visitors. I don't have many people staying. And I like people to stay for a couple of hours when they're there. Now, it's a small place. It's only just an acre but there's plenty in it just to be there and enjoy the place and help people I think really we don't use our senses fully at all we don't even think about them the value of smell and taste say this visitors when they come I don't know what the inner equivalent of taste is it's all about relishing food and or a glass of wine or whatever it is but to relish life and I'd like you to do that when you're here 
And then the same with touching the water or a leaf or something like that, listening to the sounds. The sound, I have a stream in the garden, I'm listening to it as it flows through the garden, quite heavy at one end and then very gentle at the other. So to get the enjoyment of that and the inner one again of, well, seeing the colours and shapes, the inner equivalent of that is insight. And I do find people get insights when they're in my garden. I give a little lead in on our senses usually to people when they come first. And I know they go away richer. Well, Catherine, your book is called Love Life, A Holistic Understanding of Ageing, beautifully produced and published by Curragh Press. Yes, I just wanted to say a word about Curragh Press. I'm delighted they're back on the market again and they were very grateful that they took my book and they said in their blurb about it, ageing is a positive and satisfying experience once you have the tools to manage it. And I suppose that's what my book is trying to do, is to give people the tools to manage their ageing better. So it's really practical, down-to-earth Very, book. very. And seems to appeal to quite a variety of people, from intelligentsia to people who would not consider themselves in that bracket. Lovely. Well, we wish you all the best, and certainly you're a great advertisement for it. The medium, in this case, very definitely is the message. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that.